Hey, it's Kurt Price here with the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan General Manager Jeremy Wagner. Jeremy, we keep hearing on the news there's a vehicle shortage, and when people see empty lots, they assume nobody has vehicles, but we clearly do. That's right. We have a great selection of cars and SUVs. We even have a few trucks, and the 2022 Pathfinder has arrived with the new Lloydminster Nissan. What about used? We have a fantastic selection of pre-owned, including a great selection of trucks. How confident are we in our stock, Jeremy? We're so confident that if you can't find a vehicle, Bucky will come clean up your dog poop in the spring. The new Lloydminster Nissan. We won't sell you a car, we'll help you buy one. This is Lloydminster's show. This is local that matters to you. Local people local events, local news and sports. For Lloydminster and area, this is Live with Kurt Price from the new Lloydminster Nissan. We quite enjoy the new uh, Lloyd Mr. Nissan commercial. We hope you do as well. Welcome inside the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan on this uh, sort of wet, damp uh, Saturday morning. Uh, the night after the Riders and the Elks and the night after the big goal by Connor McDavid, which will probably be on the highlight reel for years and years to come. Uh, we are fully stocked here at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. If you're looking for a vehicle, today is a great day to come down and take a test drive, and uh, you're going to find what you're looking for because... Uh, while other dealers are struggling with their inventory, we are not. We are fully stocked, even have a couple of trucks. And if you're looking for a pre-owned truck particularly, we are stocked here at the new Lloydminster Nissan. And so uh, we ask you to come down and give this guy here something to do today other than broadcast with me. It's great to have Bucky with me on Sports Saturday. And our guest today is Vince Orio, head coach of the uh, Holy Rosary Raiders. We're also going to talk to Rod Peterson and Wade redden this morning as well but uh everybody's talking about the goal last night um vince i don't know if you saw it live no, probably not no, no, yeah and we were kind of flipping back you know i yeah, thought the yeah. football game was over at that point so we're flipping back and forth and i thought watching. the hockey game was over oilers are down four yeah. i thought hey, yeah, i watched the riders game and and all i could think was i'm so glad this wasn't against my montreal canadians because it's going to be a highlight for years and years to come <laughs> everybody's going to be watching uh mcdavid's score but you know if you just caught the highlights and they show him go in and, and, and split the, uh, you know, basically split the defense, split the two forwards, yeah. and make a great deke on uh, the goaltender. You don't see the full goal. No. Because how he, it developed. How it yeah, developed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was something special. Have you watched the highlight? I haven't this? seen it at all. I got to check it out. I was oh. watching college football this morning. Unbelievable. Like, he's in the zone. Yeah. And then the puck, I think, kind of gets, kind of gets tipped away from himself. So he has to leave the zone. So the Oilers clear the zone. Only one guy goes back in. That's McDavid on four, and, and he waits wow. in the neutral zone, and then and and then Rangers set up, and he goes through four guys, and then. Well, he's an exceptional yeah. talent, right? Like the speed that he can, what he yeah. can do at top speed is amazing. And yeah. it's just little things like at top speed he can kick it from his skate to his blade, yeah. and, and little things that he can do at top speed, yeah. that some people can't do when they're stopping. Yeah. You know. So. Well, he rarely smiles. You know, even after he scores a goal, but he smiled last night yeah. after he scored that goal. I mean, nobody in the building looked more surprised than he did yeah. that he actually scored that goal. Now, we mentioned that we were flipping back and forth because, of course, the other thing going on was uh, the Riders and the uh, Elks. And, uh, you know, CFL football has been hard to watch this year. And that was another one of those games that was like, you know, unless you enjoy defensive football. Yeah. Then it was, I don't know if, did you see any of it, Vince? You know, we were pretty busy last night. I like, know, yeah. Stuff, yeah. And then uh, maybe a little celebration after. <laughs> so by the way, he wasn't really on last night. Comp yesterday, we yeah. land title. Uh, a little, a little good, yeah. bit, a, bit of a blowout, but uh, 
great game. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Boys, boys showed up, played really well last night. Number one in Canada, number one ranked team in Canada. In, in Alberta. In, oh, in, in Alberta. Alberta. Yeah. Three, three in Canada, actually, three. in small schools. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So um, you guys had handled the Barons pretty easily to start the year. And then the Barons kind of, like, they did. They had a good season. Yeah. So how did you prepare anything differently than you did the start of the year when you when you hammered on them the first time? Yeah, we just, you know, work on execution and, and doing you know, um, doing what we do at, at a higher rate of speed and quicker tempo and, um, you know, moving some kids around on defense and just changing our scheme to, to match our opponents. And, you know, kids have developed really well this year. And uh, just like other teams have grown since September, we've grown too, you know. So even though the scores were, you know, uh, it was a big margin in September, you know, we would have been disappointed had we not pulled a win out last night and we're happy with the way the kids played. Uh, Maybe talk a little about what you did last year that kind of prepared for this year, because that that plays a big into it too. Yeah, where a lot of schools were shut down uh, completely, um, our school board and the great supporters of uh, high school athletics in, in, the, in the Catholic school division. Whenever there was an opportunity for us to participate, if the if the COVID protocols allowed it, and uh, after September they did, they allowed some cohorting, and then in particular with football, they removed the 50-person cohort and allowed two football teams um, to form a cohort. So we partnered with uh, Notre Dame High School in Red Deer, and we actually played two games last fall. So it was great for our graduating kids because they got one last shot at it. But to in, uh, get some new kids in, some grade 10s and 11s, they didn't play a lot because the focus was on grade 12s. We had 18 of them last year. I'm disappointed they didn't get to play yeah. a full season. But we did get to... Uh, you know, play some football and practice for a couple of months. And again, in the springtime, we had a good spring camp for, for about a month. So we were able to do some things. We didn't really take the year off like a lot of schools did. We just kept moving along. What's the, what's the mix for your team right now, from grade 10s, 11s, up to 12s? I know before going on air, you said you don't have a ton of grade 12s. No, but so a grow, great mix of grade 11s. So we have 33 kids on our roster. It's one of our smallest uh, rosters. And we have uh, nine grade 12s and, and uh, about 10 uh, 10 or 11, 11s, and, and roughly the same grade 10. So it's a pretty good, pretty good mix of uh, of uh, talent in each grade. So you know, next year looks good as well with about 20, 20 some kids returning. Oh, good. Do you know what's? Do you know who you play next? We play Sylvan Lake. Uh, they're the Central Tier Three rep. They beat Stetler last week in their league championship game to move on to the Tier Three quarterfinal. So we're playing them in Lacombe next Friday. Any any tape on them? How do you prepare? Yeah, we got a little film on them. We went up, we went up and watched them last week and, and got some film. And uh, look, they look similar. Their quarterback's the same kid that was their quarterback when he was in grade ten when we played them in 2019. He's a talented kid. Uh, they're really well coached. Uh, their head coach is uh, Jeremy Breitenbach, and I, he spent some time coaching here at okay. uh, Lloyd Conk back in the mid '90s, and he was a U of S guy. Um, so they're they're a solid coaching staff, and they coach their kids the right way. They play the game the right way. They're talented, a couple of good receivers, good running back. They're very similar to, to us. No, not not a huge team as far as size is concerned, but lots of heart, lots of hustle. What you guys are doing right now didn't happen overnight. Uh, winning on the field and and building up the program. Uh, you've been part of football in in Lloyd for 25 years. Started Lloyd Comp, came over to Holy Rosary. Talk about those early years to where you are now, to where it all began. Yeah, well, it's you think back to you know the mid to late 90s and. You only had football, kids only had football starting in grade 10. So you literally had to show them how to put on their equipment when they were 15. Like what goes what goes on first and what goes on next. 
and then try to find a position. And you know, you kind of base it on their their body size. Okay, your receiver, your lineman, uh, your defensive back. Uh, where now kids are playing the sport, um, you know, eight months a year. They're going to camps and they're they're invested. They're in the weight room. Uh, before we were trying to get kids kind of lure them away from hockey or try to do both. Uh, now kids are choosing uh, with peewee football and bantam football. It be, football becomes yeah. their sport and uh, it's not a secondary sport anymore. It's a primary sport for a lot of kids. And so the game has <coughs> grown that way and, and you see it all the way up. You look at college football, uh, U-sport football in the 80s and 90s. It was decent, but it doesn't compare to what it is now. These kids are amazing athletes. They're big, athletic men and they and they can play you kind of waltz through the regular season so do you wish you'd had a little t tougher time to kind of get you ready for this next game yeah well even at the start of the year I mean, we, we schedule two exhibition games against larger schools against tier two schools we like to do that just to get a good tune up and if you're going to lose you might as well lose early and and uh, learn from from some of those losses but we played paul kane high school and we were terrible we we were terrible and I guess good for us, they were worse. We beat in 19-7. Both teams, it was, a, it was an ugly-looking football game, but it was September 3rd, and that's what you kind of expect. And then we went to Hunting Hills and played uh, played those guys in there, perennial Tier 2 rep, rep, and usually in the provincial semifinal game, and ended up you know, beating them guys 29-6. Uh, and our kids look really sharp in that game. And we're looking at and talking as coaches, thinking, we've got something going on here. At that time, we only had 26 kids on the roster. We picked up a few more when school started. We weren't sure. We thought, oh, this is going to be one of those years where we're going to have to rebuild. But it kind of turned into a reload, and uh, kids are kids have bought in. It's a really solid team, you know, where sometimes you have two or three really good athletes that carry. This is a team in every sense of the word. These kids, are they're, they're invested. They're all in, and they're working hard uh, for each other. It doesn't matter if you're grade 10, grade 12, they're all in. When you, you're building up this program uh, and going back to that 25 years and, and, and going through the early stages of this, was, was there other programs you kind of model yourself after and going, okay, they're doing this, we'll take a little bit from them and take a little bit from them and build our own program? Yeah, so I mean, when, when uh, we started at Holy Rosary with the, with the crew we have, coaching crew we have now and moved from, from six, I'm sorry, nine men to, to 12 men in 2008, we weren't really sure what we were getting ourselves into. We knew we had some athletes, a couple of years of minor football. And, you know, your first year you're in, you know, league final and you get into a provincial game. You're like, okay, this is this is pretty good. Um, then you start watching teams from afar, like Notre Dame uh, out of Calgary, uh, Notre Dame Pride. Uh, their coaches did a few clinics and you start watching them. And you say, okay, this is what they do for practice. This is their systems. So we knew we weren't going to be them because we don't have the, the size and they were you know, a powerhouse, but kind of model uh, the same sort of defense and you listen to their philosophies and how they work out and when they practice. So, yeah, you do look out to, to other high schools and say, well, these kids are the same age, so our kids can do the same things, right? So let's let's make it a priority to, to get better uh, every year. And we, we get kids in the weight room and we get them going to camps and we hosting some camps, especially now that we have the Synergy Vault. We can run some skill position camps and stuff in the wintertime and get kids get kids moving and they uh, they just buy you this has not been a normal year what what was it like in September when you know particularly in September when you know COVID hit the schools right off the bat yeah. you know uh, how what was it like coaching a football team where you had to worry about COVID as well yeah well because you just don't know who's going to be at practice right who's going to be a close contact yeah. who's not who's vaccinated who's not did you guys did you guys have a lot of that 
at the start we had a few kids that had to, to miss some practices and, and stuff, but um, things kind of taking care of themselves and making good choices. And and uh, now we you know we went to Cold Lake on the 24th of September with 21 kids. We had some kids that were sick. We had some kids that couldn't participate. And it's like, well, what if this continues the whole year? And then you start hearing rumblings about Alberta's going to go into another shutdown. Remember right around Thanksgiving, yeah, 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 before yeah. Thanksgiving, there was some yeah, social yeah, media yeah. Uh, chatter about shutdown. And like, well, we might be done. Like, we might play two games or three games, and the season might be over. But the numbers have started to turn in the right direction. And, you know, the last four weeks, knock on wood, have been really good as far as uh, case numbers and stuff. Because then you also have to, you have to jump on a bus, too. Right, so now you got 40 bodies with coaches on a bus, and like, well, if somebody gets it, we're probably all getting it. Um, so there's a little bit of concern there, but you put your masks on and, and you do the right thing, and we've been we've been lucky. You mentioned coaching staff too. Maybe touch on that coaching staff and how important they have been in the development of the program too. Yeah, you don't you can't really emphasize or stress that enough. Like the the knowledge base on the, the coaching staff, like um, we've got five or six guys that were U sport athletes. And uh, so they bring that knowledge back in, and and other guys that maybe weren't U sport players, but high school players, mm -hmm. and um, love love the game of football, and they're there every day, and they're they're teaching kids, and they just get, uh, you know, they see the the joy and the pride. Uh, they have joy and pride in watching these kids develop, right? So they're they're fully invested, and uh, it's hard. It's a long season, mm -hmm. and our practice is at four o'clock in the afternoon. So these guys are making commitments, and they're personal lives with their families and their jobs to be at practices it's it's huge like it um, we couldn't we couldn't do it without now we're up to we have 11 coaches wow when we first started in 08 we had four and I was the only one in the school um, but we you know we had a solid staff and and we've kind of grown from there and when people move into town and they have a little bit of football background experience and they're reaching out to us to ask if they can help out well yeah absolutely come on in and, and help us out so it's been great can't imagine like you're thinking we could be done and you have this fantastic football team you know you've got you've got a great football team you were you're thinking you mentioned it's a long season though how much longer can it go what what happens you know you mentioned next week where do you go from there yeah so uh we, we could potentially play three more games and, and that's the goal so next week is our provincial quarterfinal against sylvan lake and if we were successful there we would play the winner of sturgeon high school out of uh, the sturgeon county just north of uh, st albert in that area they play uh, Peace River, so we play the winner of that. And then the winner of that game plays the South uh, in provincial final on the 20, I want to say the 26th of November at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. Oh, well. I, you got anything else? No, uh, no just best luck. of luck the rest of the season. Appreciate yeah. it. Hopefully you get to, to Edmonton. Yeah, we're, we're hopeful. <laughs> you know, the kids are fired up and they're focused and working hard. So, you know, we got to be prepared, but we like our chances. Yeah, not only best of luck with you know the football but we also know that you you guys have been stressed in the schools as well so yeah. you're on a football team and around a school around so a school you, 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's a lot of nights but uh you know it's worth it and it's great to see the kids back in school you know last year with the alternating days and kids kind of struggle with the online piece yeah. we're, we're we're full house 975 kids and and it's it's loud and it's it's busy but it's awesome to have all those kids back Best of luck, Vincent. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'll take a break. Be right back with Rod Peterson. We don't measure success with dollars and cents at Synergy Credit Union. We measure success by the impact we make for our members, employees, and communities we serve. 
We support and are advocates for financial wellness and putting members' needs before synergies. We have a strong culture that fosters engagement, competency, inclusion, and wellness. We support our communities, partnering in projects that matter and strengthen the community. That's what makes us different from a bank. Be part of something better. Be part of Synergy. At Diamond 7 Meats, we work with local farm families to provide a high-quality product and a great selection for you. Try our mouth-watering Smokies, pulled pork, roast beef, and more. Made pure and natural with no additives or fillers. We offer custom processing, and our experienced team works for you to provide a selection of sausage, burgers, and jerkies made to your specifications. Take your grilling to the next level with a Yoder Smoker. Complete the grilling experience with a Canadian-made, award-winning line of House Q barbecue sauces. We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today. Pleased to be joined by Rod Peterson, who hosts his uh, own sports show, and it is becoming the sports show in Canada. You can see it on the Game Show Network. What time is it on on the Game Show Network, Rod? Uh, noon Eastern, 10 Mountain, Kurt. Thanks for the plug on Game Plus Television, yeah. And you can also watch it on YouTube. Yes, yes, you can uh, just very easily go into YouTube and type in the Rod Peterson Show, and we're live every day for two hours, 10 a.m. Alberta time, 11 a.m. Seth's time. And it has become, really has, I mentioned it, it has become Canada's sports show. Uh, where you were uh, Regina-based, you have really exploded. You're not only traveling across this country now, because I saw you in Montreal with Chris Nyland, and, and I'm so jealous. I'm like, Rod, he's with Chris watching the Habs game. And it was the playoffs too, I think. Are you uh, are you a Habs fan? Chris? I'm a huge Habs fan. Yeah, and I and Chris is one of the he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your life. He's he's come here a couple times, and I've been lucky enough to be able to have supper with him and to uh, play in some charity stuff with him. So, well, I tell you what, I connected through him through this recovery world. We're both sober. Knuckles yep. is since 2012. Me, not quite as smart. Took me a little longer uh, since 2014, but we connected that way. And yeah, we did the show out there and it's been amazing. And I really appreciate you saying that. I want to say this. There was a scout came through the branch center the other night with the golden Knights. And he just goes, I love watching your show. He goes, you don't screw anybody over. You don't swear. You don't, you're not disrespectful, but you say whatever you want. And he's like, nobody else is doing that right now. So good for you for, for doing that. Now you guys are with your show. You get it. And it's fun being able to say whatever you want, but uh, you talk about being in Regina. We're, I won't be here long, <laughs> heading out of here again before too long to an NHL market that uh, there's no snow on the ground, Kurt, so I'm pretty excited about that. Well, you just made the trip down to Florida, too, which which that's what I mentioned. I mentioned you're everywhere. You, you've been broadcasting from the States, broadcasting from from everywhere. So it really has become Canada's show, and, and nobody gets the guests that you've been able to get either. You've had some incredible people on your program. Pretty lucky that way. Absolutely lucky that way. But you, I'm going back to Florida, by the way. And uh, I don't think you want to get into the vaccination thing, but that province or that state is basically wide open, except for this. I was saying to some friends down there, is there anywhere that you got to show a vaccination pass? And they're like, no, nowhere. And I'm like, well, wait, the rink I did to get in to cover the Panthers, which they have accredited me for the whole season. You got to show your vax pass at the gate. That's just to get in. I get it. I'm cool with that. I mean, thank God I got one. So uh, the Panthers have been very, very accommodating with the coverage that we've given them on their show. But the Oilers weren't bad either. Like, I rang them up when I was broadcasting from a pirate ship there a yeah. few weeks ago. It was the night of their home opener against Vancouver. And uh, Jamie Cartmel treated us first class. So I think, again, I'm very respectful of the teams and the leagues. But we're also not handcuffed by the teams and the leagues. But they don't seem to mind what we're doing. So it's cool. 
So you were down in Florida. Is Florida the best team in the NHL right now? Uh, well, statistically, Carolina and the two of them meeting this weekend, by the way. So we might find out, Kurt. We might find out who the best team is this weekend between Carolina and Florida. But the orders are up there. I know you guys are itching to talk about the orders who have won yeah. nine of their first ten. Is it not hard to believe that this is the best start in franchise history? It's a little hard for me to believe that this is the best start in franchise history. It is because of all those great teams in the 80s, right, Buck? Yeah, you know, and of course, last night, the Kevin Lowe retirement. And, and of course, all the, the big stars in the past there. And it's hard to imagine that this team that you're seeing right now could be as good as those teams in the 80s. But th- that game last night, it, it, they were down 4-1. I was flipping back and forth between that and the Riders game. I gave up on the Oilers. I don't give up on the Oilers. So what, did you <laughs> think of the, what did you think of Connor's goal? Well, let me just say, uh, I was just like you. I was flipping back and forth. I'm like, who's going to score more points in this game? Because it was 4-3 Riders at halftime. And it was 4-3 Rangers at one point. I'm like, which game's going to have more points here? And then the Riders exploded in the second half. And uh, with the McDavid goal, all I thought, guys, I know everybody's going nuts about it. Yeah, it was, it was, I don't think it was the greatest goal of all time. He just He's a human highlight machine. What I thought of was Bobby Orr. I don't know if Kurt's old enough, but you are, Bucky. That just reminded me a lot of those Orr goals, to be honest with you, back in the day. Yeah, it was amazing, and it was 80s hockey night and all the rest. McDavid, you saw what he said after the game that it, it reminded him of 80s hockey. Yeah. Guys, what year was he born? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's been watching the classics. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. But I, my thinking is with the goaltending that they're getting from Miko Koskinen, and then whenever Mike Smith comes back, they're going to have to play 80s hockey. And looks great this time of year, but in the playoffs, I, I don't think you can win that way, guys. I don't know what you think. It's fun right now. It's selling tickets and it's great highlights, but I don't know if he can win a Stanley Cup in 2021 playing like the 85 Oilers. And I agree with you because I, I think the, the changes that Sutter made in Calgary and you look at the Winnipeg Jets, they're those, those are two teams I see going deep in the playoffs and I don't see the Oilers going deep. No, well, I, <laughs> who knows? We're sitting here in November. Yeah. I mean, I, they got swept in round one last year. Um, I got to think, guys, they've learned their lesson. They, and, and, and they've augmented the roster. I talked about it on our show this week with the Zach Hyman's, Cody Cece's, Duncan Keith. Um, by the way, are you guys on Twitter during weather games? Like, my God, what a heel turn in that game. People are saying, Duncan Keith's getting exposed. He's too old. He's too All of a sudden, whoop, Duncan Keith, greatest acquisition of the offseason. Like, oh, my God. You should either probably <laughs> either stay away from Twitter during order games or sell tickets to go on Twitter for order games because it is unbelievable. I just honestly, they've addressed some issues, Greg, and I think that, God, I hope they go far in the playoffs this year. I really want them to go far. If anybody deserves it, it's them. Yeah, there's you, one, really, you really want to see that, don't you? There's one point, though. You had mentioned Mike Smith and uh, Miko Koskinen. If you're the GM, Rod, do you go into the playoffs with those two guys as your number one and number two? Well, I wouldn't have done it two years ago. So I have no reason to see why Ken Holland wouldn't do that. Let's remember, Ken Holland was a goalie. He understands goalies. Maybe unless he thinks that he can't afford a Marc-Andre Fleury, because I'm pretty sure he could have had him a year or two ago. Could have had him this summer for nothing, you know, save for uh, the Flowers' salary. And, I, you know, listen, he blew up again last night in Winnipeg. I get it. 
But I would take him over both those guys right now. That's just me. And one thing, I every time I go to Edmonton, I just hear Mike Smith, Mike Smith, Mike Smith. It's like, what is hex has he put on people? What, you know, he's voodooed everybody in uh, Edmonton about how great he is. I just, I don't get it. But I don't like to argue with other fans about it because I don't like, I don't like the, I don't like arguing, which is kind of tough when you're an opinion-based guy. But they, let's, to answer your question, Pricey, he would not be my, they would not be my goalies, let's put it that way. And you're a big Vegas supporter, too. You, you love your Golden Knights. Uh, they make a big trade this week with Jack Eichel. Uh, they're going to have to patiently wait for Jack to get in the lineup. Do you like the deal? Well, here's my I thought about it six ways from Sunday, Bucky. And uh, you guys know Kelly McCrimmon well. It's just funny that a lot of people in the NHL didn't know who Kelly McCrimmon was. You know, he's with the Wheat Kings for 30 years. I've been telling them he's the Nick Saban of junior hockey, okay? You're not going to get one over on Kelly McCrimmon. NHL slightly different from the WHL, even though Kelly said they're not doing anything different between the two leagues. It's just to scale. This is a huge roll of the dice, gentlemen, because they don't know that Eichel's surgery is going to go well and that he is going to be on the ice in four months. If he is healthy and he comes back 100%, major steal for the Golden Knights. He's a franchise-changing player. If he doesn't heal properly, they give away a boatload. And a first-rounder in Peyton Krebs, a first-round pick this upcoming year. Alex Tuck, who's a day-one guy in Vegas who they love, that was a lot to give up. So, But one thing, Kelly was never afraid to roll the dice in Brandon, and it paid off. And listen, you guys, I'm not a gambler, but if you go down to what's the, what's, is it the gold Eagle casino there where you guys gold horse here, gold, yeah, horse. gold horse, gold yeah. horse, right. Sorry. <laughs> I've been there. How do I not remember? <laughs> but um, you, when you th- roll the dice, you either win big or you lose big. But if you sit on the fence and don't play at all, you're not going to win anything. So that's my take on that Bucky. They rolled the dice and we'll see whether it pays off or not. Let's talk about the riders and uh, you know, what everybody's talking about is the lack of offense uh, for sure in, uh, in Saskatchewan Uh, that game last night though, Rod, the riders are up big. Did they start, did the defense start playing off or did Edmonton legitimately put pressure on and come back against that defense? I don't think they'd lay off. Jason Shivers, the defensive coordinator is cut from the Chris Jones mold. He's a Jones guy. Maybe the players subconsciously laid off a little bit in the late going. It turned into a classic CFL ending, obviously, with the Riders coming out and winning by two. Um, but, you know, it's funny, Kurt. I don't know if you were reading my diary this morning or what, how you knew uh, with this offense. I was thinking they're winning ugly now, and that's great. They've got their eight wins, which was my preseason win prediction for the Riders. So they've achieved that. They got two games to go. And they'll probably win those. They could end up 10 and four. That's a pretty good team, right? but they're not going to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with this offense. It's it's just not going to happen. So I don't know how that's going to change. If, if you watch the game, if you spend enough time watching it versus the other game, they've revamped the offense to get Cody Fajardo rolling out, rolling right, rolling to his left, just to get him moving because that offensive line is so suspect. That's they've been their Achilles heel all year, but they managed to score enough points to win. But let's just go back to the Banjo Bowl and Labor Day. The Bombers – punched the riders in the mouth they took him up behind the shed and kicked the crap out of him took the riders a month to recover from that so this current rider team i don't think gets to the gray cup i don't know what would change or what they could change between now and playoff time i just can't see it happen who can beat winnipeg and how do you beat winnipeg calgary might be able to uh let's just back up for a second calgary's getting hot (laughs) 
at the right time. I think they got to buy this weekend, right? Yep. Bo's starting to get his act together. They got Reggie Bagleton back. They got Trey Roberson back from the NFL. Like I listen, you guys will smile at this. When the stamps were struggling to start the year, everybody was writing them off. I don't know where, what the word was in Lloyd, but everybody around here was, this is it. It's over. The stamps, the rain is over. And I said, I'm not going to believe they're dead. It's like going to a funeral. I'm like, I'm going to pry open the casket to make sure the body's in there. I'm not going to believe the stamps are done until they're done. And now they're coming back. So I, so I think Calgary, they're getting hot. And uh, I think Calgary can beat Winnipeg with, with the talent that they have. They've augmented. Now the Riders got Duke Williams too. They signed him late, right? The Riders, it's like the Riders haven't added guys. Duke's been the MVP the last two, three games, right? But um, how do you beat Winnipeg? The only way is if they beat themselves, and they don't usually, they don't usually beat themselves. Well, Rod, what is wrong with the, with the Riders' offense? Like, why do you think it can't get going? Uh, it's the offensive line. Cody just – I watched these games, and they gave up six sacks last week in Montreal. I have no idea how they won that game. I predicted they, them to lose in Montreal. I, they're winning with defense. It's, it's the offensive line, guys. One returning starter from last year – and that's Dan Clark. It's just, if it's miscommunication, I don't know if it's a lack of athletic ability. I, I don't, I'd like to think that that's not the case. But they, Cody, how much of the games have you watched? He does not look comfortable ever. His, his feet are dancing in the pocket. He, how errant was he last night? He wasn't accurate at all. So it all starts with the quarterback, and he's just not comfortable. So they've scored enough points to win games. Gentlemen, they haven't scored 20 points the last two weeks. <laughs> you shouldn't be winning in the CFL with that. Are you concerned uh, last night? I know the Elks are struggling and everybody's kind of jumping off the bandwagon there. But the crowds have been bad throughout the CFL. How concerning is that for the league? Well, I don't work in the league anymore, so I'm not as concerned as I used to be. But w- listen, I'm going to all these media rooms, whether it's WHL, SJHL, NHL, those guys are, are all sports fans, right? And they're like, they're like, there's nobody at these games. What's going on? How, how are they doing it? And listen, junior hockey attendance ain't that hot either. Um, so the same question pertains to the junior teams. But I don't know. Well, everybody's saying how they're doing it. And all I can think, Greg, is, I mean, you've run sports franchises. It's really no different at any level. Um, I think the owners are just digging deep into their own pockets uh, and hoping, praying for a turnaround. But the sports betting hasn't been the savior I think that they thought it would be. I don't think it will be the savior financially that they thought it would be. So you got sports conglomerates and the CFL owners in Calgary, Ottawa, Toronto. They're propping them up. Private owners in BC, Hamilton, Montreal that just have unending money. So they're just digging into their own pockets deeper just to cover these losses. And then Edmonton, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan have always been around and will always be around. So I guess they're just biting the the bullet until – things turn around if they do turn around Kurt and I were just talking before we went to air here about the economic climate of climate of Lloyd and our beloved leader Justin Tudo um Turdo like it's there's no real signs that it's going to turn around so that's the that how concerned am I I I'm shocked they survived to this point Bucky that COVID hasn't killed the CFL if COVID can't kill it I guess nothing can but I don't know what the answer is in Edmonton, th- th- that team has consistently gotten worse since Brock Sunderland uh, took over that team. Is he going to be there after this season, Rod? It all depends on the board. 
I mean, that's leadership starts at the top. And in Edmonton, that board is making a lot of the decisions and the president, Chris Preston. Um, I would probably not have bowed and changed the name to Elks. Um, they've made a lot of really questionable decisions that are not the Eskimo way. And unfortunately, when they changed the name to Elks, they got rid of all that Eskimo tradition. They're not operating the Eskimo way. It's distasteful what's happened there. I was reading the news story this morning. First time in 72 years, first time in franchise history, Edmonton hasn't won a game at home. So I guess you're asking, are they going to make a change? That's going to be up to the president. Does he have the metal to do it? the intestinal fortitude and does the board back him and support it that's where the decisions are made guys is at the top so i wouldn't be surprised if they didn't let him go it wouldn't surprise me yeah if you look at it he got permission to trade away trevor harris he brings in nick arbuckle extends him and then all of a sudden you're going to get rid of him it doesn't make any sense no, like, what, what, makes, but what makes sense at edmonton right so why and that's part of the reason you ask if i'm concerned about the cfl the way the CFL operates now and what the CFL is, if it died, I wouldn't miss it. I, if it died, I wouldn't miss it. I'd like to see the next incarnation of the CFL in a couple of different varieties. But at this point, I'm not going to – I don't want to speculate about an NFL Development League or the XFL because I talked about it all last summer and looked like an idiot when they came back and played. But when they acquired Nick Arbuckle via trade from Toronto, I literally said, Why? And then everybody jumped on me because they're looking to next year, Rod, because of this, because of that. I had a football guy from Vegas call me and go, you're right. It's an asinine they acquired Nick Arbuckle and got rid of Trevor Harris. None of this stuff makes any sense. What's happening in Edmonton and they're winless at home and the stadium's empty. Guys, <laughs> what more do you need to make a change? And I'm still not convinced that they will. I want to ask you about Chicago, but I'm not even sure how to ask it, Rod. Like, what is your take on everything that has transpired, including um, the, you know, the the sort of, I guess, the resignation of Joel Quenville, but, uh, you know, Shovel Day off staying on in Winnipeg? Well, as they say, you have to be careful what you say. You mentioned you've had guests on here in the past that were very uneasy about it. Um I don't know all the facts. I've got good friends that were on that team that I didn't even know this was a, was an incident that had happened until this spring. My buddies said that something's coming down here. Something that's been brewing for 10 years. What's my take? Um, the, the perpetrator, the culprit here is Brad Aldrich. Largely end of story, but without him, none of this happens. Stan Bowman, culpable, didn't do his job. McDonough, the president, culpable, didn't do his job at the time. They're both gone. And then we can sit and argue back and forth all day why Joel Quenville did what he did at the time. Um, same story for Chevy and what they knew and when. But I feel bad for those guys. I don't know Quenville, but I know a lot of guys that do. They say he's an unreal guy. I do know Kevin Sheveldayoff. I've known him since I was 16. Blaine Lake Sask. What more do you need to know? Integrity right there with that guy. But it was Aldrich who put all these people in a terrible position. And listen, I talk about sitting in these media rooms. I've been talking about it with NHL people, WHL people. Kyle Beach played the dub in Kelowna. Right? We all know him, or know of him at least. And I'm told that all the truth, the facts have not yet come out. I think we're a little further ahead than the Graham James saga from 30, 35 years. We're a little further ahead in that. People that knew something, that didn't say something, have lost their jobs. Back then, that didn't happen. 
And I, and I had a major problem with that. Um, we can go back and forth and around on this. And I don't really care if people are upset with what I'm saying. This is simply my opinion. It's all horrible. It's ugly. You know, but, you know, the one, I don't, I'm, and I haven't read the 68 page, however many page document that is. But somebody has led me to believe that Kyle Beach never formally charged Brad Eldridge. That that's not, it ha, you know, hasn't been a criminal matter. So what's going on? Well, you hear, you're hearing now that there's going to be legal action, that Kyle's got a, a lawyer and there's going to be a suit probably levied against the Chicago Blackhawks, likely against the NHL. So we're not going to hear the end of this. And, and I think there's going to be more stones unturned, including Donald Peter right. and what he knew about it. So. Right. Well, but that's the thing. Is it civil lawsuit? Is it a criminal charge? Big difference there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like I say, the culprit, I believe, is Brad Aldrich, and he's caused big problems for, for everybody, for Kyle Beach personally, if that story is true, for the Blackhawks, and for the National Hockey League. You know, and I just, I, you know, I initially defended Quen Bell, but people said, how could you do that? He had his arm around Aldrich in the Stanley Cup parade. He got him a ring. He didn't fire him immediately. And I said, I don't know what Quen Bell was thinking at the time. You know what? I'm done talking about it. It, the, the entire thing is ugly and sad. And I guess the good news is maybe we've made an incremental bit of progress in this world. But guys, you know, in my recovery career, you know, I'm working with that stuff every day. I work with sexual abuse victims every single day. And I've heard from them every day with their thoughts on this. Because, you know, you can imagine hockey guys saying, why didn't Beach get up and punch him in the face? You don't know. <laughs> How can you damn anybody that hasn't been in those shoes, right? Yeah. yeah, so it's it's hard to form an opinion when you don't have all the facts. Fair? Fair enough. Rod, thank you so much for joining us. Can't thank you enough for taking some time uh, to join us on a Saturday morning. Always great seeing you guys. Glad it's going so well. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, Rod. Thanks, guys. PWM Steel in Lloydminster is the key supplier and largest indoor inventory of steel between Edmonton and Saskatoon. Locally owned, PWM Steel offers a wide range of services from steel cutting and bending to custom sign and powder coating. PWM Steel uses aluminum products as well as new and recycled steel. Key supplier of steel products and services since 1982. Visit their website at pwmsteel.com. Legendary defenseman and uh, proud to be from this area. Wade Redden joining us uh, uh, from his home in Kelowna. Is that where we're finding you uh, this morning, Wade? Yeah, yeah. Back in Kelowna right now. So good to be on here with you guys and see your faces. Usually it's over the phone. So this is fun. The yeah, we don't hear that very there. often. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got the bunk beds behind you there. Yeah, I came up, thought I'd be quiet up in the little playroom upstairs there's i won't show you the floor it's a bit of a disaster zone kids every toys and all that but uh hey if quiet you saw area of the house if you saw bucky's floor right now you would see you know chocolate bar wrappers and uh, hot rod yeah. wrappers and all kinds of stuff you, so you wow. stole all my hot rods by the way we know what you're <laughs> well halloween's just yeah. a few days back so he's still working through all that i'm sure that's exactly it yeah you get enough kids so yeah. let's 
let's talk about let's start with the Edmonton Oilers uh, Wade it, they could not be off to a, a better start they have one loss uh, this season and uh, boy they look uh, they look really good uh, what's Ken Holland done there uh, that that makes this team look so much different than last year's team oh great question I don't know if it's a maturity I mean obviously you have those two players doing what they do and then everyone just kind of do it pulling pulling along as well I mean I think it's everyone's been waiting for it I don't know if I'm sure Ken's brought in a certain mentality and attitude that uh I mean I think that's something he certainly brought from his time in Detroit and just the way he he does his business I think that that wears off or rubs off on the team I guess like I think that's that's a big part of it I think he's been patient I mean yeah they've had some stumbles and Everyone's thought this would they'd do more than they had uh, over the years, but what can you do? You are where you are. You got to just be patient. And uh, I think he's he's had a few good guys too. I think that's been a you know there's been some that Fogel, the uh, Duncan Teeth, CC they look really good. So I think guys like that have have been a big part of it too. You got a feeling that he, that he's not done yet though. Like yeah. there's a lot of talk to Mark Andre Fleury's in Chicago. Chicago is going through what they're going through right now, yeah. not just in the standings, but off the ice. Do you get a feeling that maybe Ken Holland's not quite done yet? Oh, I don't think they're ever satisfied. I mean, they haven't done anything yet, obviously. And um, what are we, 10 games into the year, basically? And so, yeah, they're always, you know, they're not not uh, planning any victory laps yet. I mean, so, yeah, there's, there's a long season ahead of them, and they're going to have their ups and downs. But... Um, yeah, they'll be they'll be looking to improve all the way to the end. And in Calgary, they they come off a fantastic road trip and then don't win at home. I mean, you know, they looked unbeatable on the road. You get five wins on the road, come home and and lose two games back to back. Is there something to be said about um, that first game home, Wade? You know, that first game home after a long road trip always tends to be a little bit iffy. And it is. Uh, and it's different playing in front of your home crowd. You feel like you got to impress them. Yeah. Oh, it always, it is a thing for sure. <clears throat> I know. Yeah. When you come back, you know, you maybe you take your foot off the gas a bit, right? You're a little more relaxed. You're at home. You think, Oh, let's settle into this. But yeah, obviously not the case. I was surprised Calgary came out to the start. They did with those road games and road wins. Um, but again, there's another guy that's come in there, Daryl Sutter, with his approach. And I think that that's been good for that team too, as much as I'm sure they're on a losing streak. No one's in a in a good mood around there right now. But uh, you know, I hopefully they keep going. I, I I didn't think they'd bounce back. I don't know. There's there's some guys there that that need to step up even more, I think, with Monaghan and even Kachuk, I think could, you know, those guys they really got to lean on those guys. They're expecting them to do a lot so um but yeah it'll be interesting i mean when is the battle next battle of alberta that's always uh and two teams that are built completely different now right i mean calgary might be the toughest team in the league yeah big luch he's probably toughest guy well you got reeves in new york now but um yeah they uh well that's like i said sutter I mean, they got to play that way. Kachuk plays tough. I mean, a bit of a greasy guy, but uh, plays hard. And, and yeah, I think that's really what it takes for every team to be successful. You got to be 
willing to get in there and go. And it's every night that that it has to happen in, in this league. You know any guys that played for Daryl that uh, have had good stories about him or even, you know, maybe the bad stories? <laughs> well, I don't know if it was Daryl. All the setters coached at one point, but there's a few few funny stories. And, well, I know Luch, too. I saw him this year, and he was happy to have him back. He had him for – he was in L.A. for a short time. But I think that, that mentality and that kind of no-nonsense approach is uh, something he really enjoyed being around. There's one – I think they can be, you know, in your face pretty good. I don't know if they're quite as much as they used to be, but there's one line that I remember. I, I, I can't even say who it was, or I don't know who it was, but the defenseman who was kind of an up and down guy in the minors, and and he made a bad play or something. He said D to D. Usually it's D to D out of the zone or D to D up the wall, but <clears throat> in this case it was D to D out of the league. You're out of here. <laughs> Out off the glass. Out of here. <laughs> off the uh, glass. Th- th- there's a belief in hockey. A lot of hockey experts say uh, by American Thanksgiving, if you're not in that top 10, if you're not knocking on the door for a playoff spot, you're likely not going to the playoffs. Do you believe in that? Well, the numbers say that. I mean, it's rare that uh, the teams can come back. It's a big hill to climb. I remember the year we went to the final in Ottawa, we were out of the playoffs or right on the I think we're out of it like at Christmas time and we're like, and that was kind of a aha moment for us. We're like, Oh my God, if we don't get going, we're like, we're going to miss the playoffs here. We've been a playoff team all these years. And, and then we ended up having the best record the second half and we go to the final. So, I mean, obviously it's, it's how you finish. And, but if you're that far behind a lot of teams, it's, it's, it's hard to come back. It's when you got to win, when you look at, well, however many games are left in after Thanksgiving, if say there's 60 or something and you have to win 40 of those games or whatever it is, like that's, that's a tough task. Especially in a year with a condensed schedule that far like behind. we have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, uh, losing the Stanley cup, Wade, uh, the Montreal Canadians do not look good this season. And we know they're missing a few pieces, but I don't think anybody expected them to stumble this badly. How hard is it to get going the year after you, you, you lose that, that cup you've played, you know, well into basically summer and then you come back and especially last year, uh, is there a mentality there that may, maybe they're just, maybe they're just tired. Maybe they're just wore out. Or is that just not a very yeah, good part of it. team? Uh, well, they're certainly surprised everyone doing what they did last year. And I think the big key to that was Price. It was uh, Shea Weber. Just, I think, his leadership and the way he played really uh, elevated everyone around him. So I think they miss those guys a lot this year. So, <clears throat> And <clears throat> Corey Perry's gone. I mean, guys like that. He was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was a big you know, guy in the locker room too, just because when things do go poorly, those are the guys that, that kind of keep things together. Right. So I think they, uh, they miss those guys for sure. And they got skilled guys and they're, they're talented, but winning hockey games, it takes, uh, takes more than that. You know, it seems like for about six months, we've been talking about Jack Eichel and uh, when's a deal going to get done and infighting between him and the Sabres on the surgery. Finally, the deal gets done. Vegas seems to be in the talks with every player that comes on the market. They get into it. Uh, they give up Tuck and, uh, and Krebs and along with two draft picks for him. 
Uh, he's now going to have disc replacement surgery, going to be gone for four to six months. Do you like the deal for both teams, or is this going to be a patient waiting game for Vegas? <clears throat> Sorry, I got some. I think that, yeah, I like it for both teams. I think for Buffalo, just to get a fresh start, obviously it's been a saga that's dragged on and no one wanted. Um, and I think they get, you know, that Krebs is going to be, he's a good young prospect. Tuck, I guess he's a, a New York guy. He grew up in Syracuse, I believe. <clears throat> and he's really coming to his own as well in the league, like since he got to Vegas. I remember watching him in, in the minors. He was still with Iowa in the, the wild farm team. And, yeah, and then he gets a chance in Vegas, and he's, he's been a great player for them. But, yeah, I think the key, obviously, is, you know, they get the best player out of this whole thing is Vegas getting uh, Eichel. And that, you know, that just puts him on another level, I think. So hopefully he can get back and be healthy. Um, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a great move, I think, for Vegas to do. And Buffalo, yeah, you know, it's hard giving up a player like that. You can't replace players like that. Do you ever remember a time when you're playing that there's a player that you think or maybe even yourself just needs a, a new start. Just, just <clears throat> something's not going right, and it just it's not working with that club. Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's weird. I guess how that that can be. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of issues that went on. Who knows what, exactly the mindset of of Eichel or it was almost I'm like sure a nasty Buffalo. divorce. Well, yeah, and it was. Well, since he got drafted, I think he was Tim Murray was a GM, I believe, when he was drafted. And I know Tim was in Ottawa. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just think things were. Yeah, I don't think things were run great there. I, I'm sure. I don't know who, uh, you know, some of the players they got obviously didn't gel. They didn't have. I think it starts with the leadership up top. And I think that's where Adam's now stepping in. He seems like he has a clear path. He has a has a good good idea of what he wants to do and stuff like that. So I think uh, you know Buffalo and look at what they're doing now. Like they're they're having some success. I feel like and um, you know kind of a fresh start for everybody. And it's good that they can put this all behind them too and get on with things. Yeah, it's kind of strange because when you look at the Vegas Buffalo deal, you wouldn't have thought that Vegas would be where they are in the standings and Buffalo would be where they are. Uh, Vegas is struggling, got a True. lot of injuries, and uh, it, it's it, it's definitely maybe something that Vegas can build on. Um, let's go now to a story that, of course, is uh, broke a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there was there was a little smoke. Now there's fire. Uh, it's going with the Chicago Blackhawks and the sexual assault of Kyle Beach by the video coach. There's so many things that are disturbing from the story, and, and you see the fallout from it uh, with Quinville in Florida. Uh, yeah. I don't know where you even go with this with you, Wade. Um, it, it's it, it's tough to hear from this as a former NHLer, uh, being around the room in, in, in Ottawa and the New York Rangers. This has got to be somewhat concerning, making sure that this does not happen ever again. <clears throat> yeah, it's it was tough to – well, I guess obviously you hear about it and, well, even I guess back to the summer – whenever it broke out, but then seeing Kyle, his interview he had with on TSN, that was 
oh man, you can't imagine, you can't put yourself in that place to, to know what he went through and what he's been through, just the turmoil in his mind. Like we talk about mental health a lot of, and you know, everyone, you know, you have your struggles and everyone, you know, so for him to keep that inside and know that, you know, just to deal with that. I mean, yeah, that's what, that's what's so sad about the whole thing. And then, well, even worse is the fact that this guy went on to do it again and, and uh, to know that he abused the younger, young kid in high school. Like, I don't know, man, like it's, you just hate to, to think someone's going through that when you think of your own kids or someone in that position, like, man, oh man, it's, uh, what infuriates you want it just like, it just, it's sad stuff. Yeah. There's so many people that knew about it and, and, <clears throat> and it, it's, it's sad that nobody spoke up at that time and, and prevented that yeah, well, that's... from being assaulted. Now yeah. Donald fear is going to be under the, the, the microscope. Now. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that, but with the yeah. players association, so he might be the next one to go. <clears throat> yeah. That's no, uh I don't know. Yeah, it's you hard to uh I guess they're gonna do an investigation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you know, another one about how things were handled with the PA and uh yeah, hard to hard to know what was what happened or what information they knew at the time. I know when I think of the the scenario that happened in Chicago, I mean, geez, when you hear the details of what, and I had a, was able to listen to Shevel Dayoff, you know, speak his piece about it. And, you know, obviously he wasn't at the front line of that thing, but yeah, when you hear the detail of, of the situation, I mean, yeah, hopefully they didn't know what happened. I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's, it's tough to, to, to think that they would do nothing when, when they know it, that, that that went on. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just kind of, they didn't do enough, obviously. So it's, it's sad that it was handled the wrong way. And same thing with the PA. I mean, obviously they didn't, mustn't have done enough. So we'll see what this investigation has to say. Is every team a little different when it comes to a leadership core among the players when I, I don't want to bring out this, but when you have a meeting with management and there's some kind of concerns, are the leadership core part of that meetings or is that kind of separate from management? I think, well, a situation like this, I don't think the players would have been in sitting in those meetings. I mean, especially the time that it was, I mean, I think that's where Quinville was guilty of trying to protect the environment around the team in the playoffs. Right. It was, it was that Western conference final. So I think, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, who knows what happened, but I'm sure the players wouldn't have been involved in any of that because, um, you know, they might have got rumblings or heard or obviously everyone kind of seemed like everyone kind of knew something was going on. But, um, yeah, it's tough situation. And at, at the end of it all, yeah, to know that this guy had that happen to him and, yeah, and then he comes out and, and tries to get help and then nothing really comes of it. I mean, that, that even makes it worse too. Well, wait, thanks for tackling that a little bit. Yeah, like, well, it, it's yeah. tough. It, 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 it's, it's incredibly tough. And, and thanks for joining us here today. Really appreciate it. Great yeah. to see you again. Well, hey, you guys as well. And uh, we hope to see you again. Yeah. Soon. You guys take care.
border city. Hope to get back there one time soon. Awesome, Wade. Thanks so much. Okay, boys. Hey, it's Kurt Price here with the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan General Manager, Jeremy Wagner. Jeremy, we keep hearing on the news there's a vehicle shortage, and when people see empty lots, they assume nobody has vehicles, but we clearly do. That's right. We have a great selection of cars and SUVs. We even have a few trucks, and the 2022 Pathfinder has arrived with the new Lloydminster Nissan. What about used? We have a fantastic selection of pre-owned, including a great selection of trucks. How confident are we in our stock, Jeremy? We're so confident that if you can't find a vehicle, Bucky will come clean up your dog poop in the spring. The new Lloydminster Nissan. We won't sell you a car. We'll help you buy one. Well, thanks for joining us this morning at the new Lloydminster Nissan. Uh, Buck, you wanted to point out Bobcat's big winners last night. Yeah, uh, win in Camrose last night in Whitecourt tonight. Uh, just hovering just below 500, which is a great start to the season for Nigel and the crew. And and uh, be back home a week from Sunday. So. Yeah, playing drum Haller, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, November 14th, drum Haller. Yeah. Uh, that football game last night, Buck, it was hard to watch. You're talking we, the Alps and the Riders, a little yeah. Bit yeah, yeah. But, but there's so many games this year in the CFL that, you know, the, the knock against the NFL that it's low scoring and it's boring football. This, the NFL's gone the opposite. The NFL's a track meet at times and high scoring and exciting to watch. And the CFL has gone the other way where it's boring and, and hard to watch. And, and it's hard to believe because there's so many rules on defense. Like, we saw a pass interference call last night in the end zone on that two-point conversion. Yeah. It wasn't pass interference. No, no, no. It wasn't even close to being pass interference. And then they, they let the other one go at the other end where if the guy you, doesn't even turn around and look at the ball. If you're a defensive back in the C, in the CFL right now, if you breathe heavy on a receiver, you might get flagged. Yeah. The other thing that, that bothered me last night about the Riders was the play calling again. It's, it's your second and 18, you're on a draw play. Yeah. Like, are you playing to kick the football away? Yeah. You know, it's, like, like, and, and then you turn around that, and you're playing a team who has two wins on the season, and they were completing second and 18. Like, they were throwing passes at two and 18 and, and, and actually moving the football. You know, there was times that game was so frustrating as a Ryder fan to watch. But it goes back to the offensive line for the Riders that it is suspect at times at best. And, and, and Cody doesn't have much time, and Cody's getting blamed for a lot. And now, I know Cody's a great leader, great kid. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he, he's above average quarterback, and some Ryder fans will get all upset when I say that, but I think he's an okay quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. Okay, so we're uh, you're you're here all day just yes. letting everybody know yes. if they want to, you know, we mentioned that we have the inventory. Oh, the largest inventory between Saskatoon and Edmonton, new or used, and come on in, uh, SUVs, trucks, you name it, and then... Uh, we'll answer anything you have, and if, if we don't have the inventory for you to come in today, guess what? I'll be at your place in the spring picking up dog poop. When it's nice and mushy. And I'll be back with you on Tuesday, and we're going to talk to uh, Pam Beacott and Heather Cleggis about the Trees of Tinseltown. The Festival of Trees is back again this year, and we'll find out how that's going to work uh, with this uh, pandemic going on and uh, find out uh, why they decided to invite me back as their MC. So that's Tuesday morning, 11 o'clock, right here from the new Lloydminster Nissan.